Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to you. It's great to see you. It's great to have you at Providence Church. My name is Jacob Armstrong. We are so, so glad that you're here. I know we have folks that are with us for the first time, and we just want to welcome you into this place. Online worshipers, want to say a hello to you. Um, I'm definitely moved right now by seeing uh, many of you who may have uh, been going to a different service who responded and come to 11 o'clock today. So I'll probably have to send out an email this week to say, go to some other service. I don't know. <laughs> but no, we won't. Um, it really is um, a great thing to be a part of a, a place where people are willing to do whatever it takes so that more people can know about Jesus. And, and uh, that's what we're about, seeing people who feel disconnected from God in the church, find hope, healing, and wholeness. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, uh, if you're here in the 11 o'clock service for the first time, uh, we welcome you. It's really fun. You'll like it. We're glad, we're glad you're here. My wife, Rachel, got a text this uh, week from the lady who cuts her hair. And she said, we're down here at the, the beauty salon. And uh, is it still called that? I don't know. We're down at the haircut place. And and she said, we are hearing about a movement of God happening at Providence Church. And I just thought that was so cool, man. I think if it gets to the beauty salon, we're doing good, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and that's because you guys are talking about your walk with Jesus. You're talking about your faith. You're talking about what's, what God is up to. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. We have been for the last few weeks um, uh, looking specifically at evil. So if you're new, here for the first time, welcome. Uh, we, don't, we don't normally do that, but the reason we're doing that is because we've been studying for a longer bit of time the book of Luke. And we've just been going through the, the passages there and we've come to a place in, in a season of Jesus' life where he is really encountering evil. It's early on in his ministry and evil's showing up, evil's messing with him, and it's kind of happening all over the place. So we just took three weeks for us to think about how are we going to deal with evil. So I would let you, need to let you know, even as weird as that sounds, that we believe in, and I believe in evil. I believe that it's real. I don't think that that means uh, we, you know, I'm not trying to stir anything up today or stir anything up in you, but I think it, in, in the very real world that we live in, there is very real evil. And God is showing us through these passages through Jesus, how we can live without fear, uh, with confidence. I mean, I want you leaving today with steps of peace and, and, um, and you know, encouragement, not like, oh goodness, there's, there's all this uh, evil stuff out there. Nope, not at all. Because of our connection to Jesus, we're gonna be leaving here um, with all kinds of power for what we're going to face. So we're gonna start uh, looking at Luke chapter four, verse 31. I'm gonna read to you a passage of scripture that's actually two short uh, stories put together. You'll see why they are connected. And then at the end of it, uh, we'll, we'll give thanks to God for the word by saying thanks be to God. And he, that's Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. He cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. 
And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I've never taught on this before, but we're gonna look today at a weird subject, demons. Again, not because I wanna talk about it or uh, any, any other reason than that Jesus was encountering demons, speaking to them, talking to evil, and I think there is so much for us to learn in this. I'm not a demon expert. <laughs> I don't have a, you know, I haven't studied up on that a ton. And to be honest, there's so much mystery around things like demonic forces and evil and the spiritual forces of wickedness, things that we believe in, that I am not going to suppose that we will have a full understanding of those things today. There's, they're shrouded and held in mystery in many ways as we look at it, but that doesn't mean that we're going to ignore the reality of those things taking place. So what my hope is, is that by looking at this story, we'll be able to do what Jesus does and recognize evil or demons recognize them, but I just wanted to be upfront that I don't, I'm not thinking that we will get a full understanding of what's happening in the, you know, a crazy verse like this where an unclean demon is hollering out at Jesus. So the way that I want us to think about it, that we're, and there's a purpose in this, is that we're talking about recognizing demons or evil, but I'm not saying that we're gonna have full understanding. So it's not the same thing. Sometimes when I don't know how to spell it, I just kind of go like that uh, at the end. Uh, it's not the, same, not the same thing to have full understanding. So what we're gonna work on is recognition, right? And uh, a couple of ways that we recognize things, oftentimes we recognize things by sight. Well, we're talking about the spiritual here, things that are so, so often thought of as unseen. So. I'm gonna look at it as, uh, as how we recognize the voice, uh, how we understand the voice of evil. I know that sounds, we're gonna get a little weirder before it gets weirder, okay? So we're gonna look at evil's voice in these scriptures. Why? To be able to recognize, that's a way that we get recognition of things. And the first indication of uh, evil's voice in this scripture. The first thing we know about evil's voice is that it is loud. Listen to this verse again. It says, in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon and he cried out with a loud voice. In my experience, oftentimes evil in our lives is loud. Not necessarily audibly loud, but what I mean by that is it's, um, it's messing with us in such a way that it's loud in our mind. You can probably think of some things, maybe things going on right now are like, this has just been so loud in my life, so loud in my, in my mind that it's hard to think about anything else. God's voice is described at least one time in the Bible as a still small voice. That being able to recognize God's voice is something we kind of lean into, but oftentimes evil is loud. Now, this doesn't mean that every loud thing you hear is evil. What, what we're getting at here is for us to begin to discern and recognize when evil is as at work. So the second thing that we see about evil's voice is that it provokes. 
And the word provokes just means that it's something that is agitating us in a way to try to get us to do something that we don't want to do. Now, you may have somebody in your life that picks on you. Well, provoking is, is, is much further down the line than that. Provoking is like this agitation. You can't get rid of it. If you have someone who's a provoking voice in your life, or if you have something that's so loud it's provoking you, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. But evil often presents itself as very loud and provoking. It's messing with you. And as we've said, evil operates. Here's the main way that the devil is going to mess with you. Maybe the only way. And that is by telling you lies. The devil really doesn't have much power over you, but he can confuse you and, and share lies in a way that oftentimes comes out as loud and provoking. It doesn't mean everything that's loud and provoking is evil, but you can begin to determine that. I know I'm going to get some text from some dude that goes to church here. He says, my wife can be pretty loud. She tries to get me to do stuff. Is she evil? And I just want to say to you, like, just stop, man. You're not helping anything. You're not, you're not helping me. You're not helping the cause. Uh, by making, you know, you're like, you, you're, you're sitting at home watching pregame Super Bowl and you're like, think you're clever. Somehow you got my phone number and you think you can just fire off a text whenever you want. But there are things that are really loud. I had something that was bugging me this week. Um, and actually I ended up texting Mark and Dan about it. I was like, man, it took me a couple hours, but like, that was so loud in my ears, you know. I, I know that, I'm not saying the thing is evil, but I know that, that evil is using that in a loud and provoking way in my life. Does that make sense? And so as we begin to recognize that, there's some really cool things that can happen. I'm now gonna share with you the most important thing about this lesson. If you wanna hear just one thing, if there's only one thing you hear, this is, this is the thing you need to hear that we learn from the scriptures, and it is this, evil let me say it to you first. Evil knows who Jesus is, okay? Evil knows who Jesus of Nazareth, who came in the flesh, is. Evil knows who Jesus is. Let me, show, let me share with you what the scripture says. It says the demons... Uh, it, if you go to the next verse, and the demons came out of many crying, you are the son of God, right? Before that, the voice had says, I know who you are. You're the holy one of God. So this is really like, if we're studying the book of Luke, this is a place that we want to, we want to pause and notice what's going on. Everything surrounding Jesus in Galilee at this point, he's, he's been up back in his hometown, his home area in Nazareth. Now he's over in Capernaum and all the, all the whole narrative is filled with this idea of who is this guy? Is this Joseph's son? Is this not Joseph's son? You know, they're, they're like, what is going, this guy's healing people. He's working miracles. He's teaching in a way that nobody's ever taught before. Who is this dude? Nobody can figure out. That's, that's among like the people. Jesus gets one second in the presence of evil and evil says, I know who this is. This is the son of God. I mean, just Jesus gets in the presence of some random dude in Capernaum who's got evil messing with him and the evil thing says, ooh, that's the son of God. This is an indicator to us that the fight between evil and God, you know, that kind of, you know, relationship, that's been going on long before. They recognize the presence of Jesus, the son of God, the, immediately. And they're uh, loud and provoking. Ha, have you come to destroy us? All that kind of, you know, 
silly stuff that evil wants to throw at you, but in it is this very important thing. Evil knows who Jesus is. We're gonna look at a bit more this morning, but this is gonna be the key to how you deal with evil in your life. Understanding that evil knows who Jesus is. Let's look for a few minutes at Jesus' voice, okay? The reason I said I'm not a demon expert is because I hadn't studied up on it my whole life. This is what I'm, yeah, this right here is what I'm committing myself to. I don't know why I have such confidence with the marker, but it's, you know, I'll, it'll be Tuesday and I'll be like, we're bringing out the whiteboard this Sunday. And then I get here and I'm like, bro, that, you got issues. Um, so Jesus' voice is really what we're committed to learning about. That's what we wanna know. We wanna be able to recognize Jesus, right? And so this scripture tells us that Jesus has authority. His voice does. Let me share with you a, a couple of verses. It says, and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. His word possessed authority. Let's go ahead and bring up that next verse. It says, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. So these are the people talking. They're like, I don't know exactly what's going on with this guy, but you can just tell that he has some kind of great authority. Uh, the best thing that we can do as we look at all this is, is get ourselves under the word and the voice and the name of Jesus because it has an authority. One of the things I've learned about authority is that authority is usually located in a certain place, in a certain location. So if someone has authority, um, very few people just have authority all over the place. So think of like a, 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 a school principal, for instance. A school principal has uh, all kinds of authority at the school. I mean, great authority. Uh, in the parking lot, the principal has authority. In the gymnasium, in the cafeteria. I, I remember like when our principal walked into our classroom. I mean, even the teacher's like, all right, everybody act right, you know, because there's an authority that goes with the position. My elementary school uh, principal, her name was Jane Atwood, Miss Atwood. And she had this great authority in the school. In, in the school, I, I, I still remember her name. You know, I think if you showed up at Gladeville, she's not there anymore, but if you, you, know, if you spoke her name in the halls, there would still be an authority that, that goes with it. And, and you know, Miss Atwood and I, we got to know each other a little bit over the years. We would have one-on-one um, -on -one meetings uh, and you know, just times that we would, that we'd get a chance to, to be together. And man, I, she, she had this great authority. And it went because we knew who she was and we knew that she was in charge of all that. I'm so thankful. I was talking to our officer out in the uh, parking lot, Officer Eduardo. I hope you've gotten to know him. He's an amazing servant of the church. He's a Wilson County uh, Sheriff's officer. Well, and he has authority uh, because of his jurisdiction in Wilson County. Anywhere you encounter Ed, Eduardo in Wilson County, there's an authority that goes with it. And we have him in the parking lot, you know, just to kind of keep things safe. We've learned that some people only become a Christian when they come through the front doors in the lobby, you know? So it's like you get saved when you eat the donut, but in the parking lot, uh, it's a different story. And so we have Eduardo just to kind of, and so if Eduardo <laughs> speaks to you out there, know that he has an authority that is given to him. There's a jurisdiction to that. Jesus has jurisdiction, authority over evil. And even evil knows it. 
When he gets in their presence, they're just doing whatever he says because he has an authority and what goes with that authority is power. You may encounter people sometimes who are trying to exercise power over you, but they don't have any authority over you. That power doesn't mean anything. But if you have authority, you can use, uh, you can use the power. Uh, Jesus uh, would speak, right? And because he had that power and because the evil knew who he was, they had to go running scared. So I'm gonna write this line again because it's our line for today. I just want you to see it on both sides. Evil knows who Jesus is. And because, uh, because of the evil's voice, we see what's going on here. And because we see what's going on with Jesus' voice and because of evil knowing who Jesus is and he has authority and power of it, it means Jesus has a way of dealing with evil that we have access to. That's what I'm gonna share with you. It's a very clear kind of threefold pattern that Jesus does to get evil away from his people. So um, this is what something we call what Jesus does to evil, okay? Ms. Atwood would be embarrassed at this handwriting, I know. Um, what Jesus does to evil, it's three things every time. It's, this is not what Jesus can do to evil, okay? This is what Jesus does to evil. Check this out. Jesus rebukes, he silences, and he casts, he casts it out. The word rebuke, what that means is Jesus says, um, no. That's a rebuke, okay? Um, no. And the only person that can give a rebuke is the person who has authority and who has power. And Jesus does, and so he actually rebukes evil. Uh, I have an older brother, and when we were kids, he would, he, you know, like any brothers would do, he would provoke me, right? He would provoke me, and that would lead to evil. So, uh, and... <laughs> And what stunk is, uh, I did not have any authority over Andy, and I certainly had no power over him. So here's what you have to do if, someone, if someone's provoking you. Here's what I, here, y'all, you probably know what I did with, with my brother, right? I told on him, you know? I tattled. I went to the person who had authority over him, mama, and then she rebuked him, right? I like this example, it feels good. <laughs> Well, we don't have authority or power over evil except that we do through the word and the name and, and the, the power of Jesus. So this is what we call on. So you can feel totally comfortable going to Jesus anytime and telling on evil. You, you can say, this is, this is what's happening, Jesus. I need your help. Well, the thing I referenced earlier this week that I was dealing with, you know, I noticed it. I felt this noise. I was in my Toyota Tacoma and I just spoke into the Toyota Tacoma. I don't really know who I was speaking to. This stuff's kind of weird. I don't have a full understanding of it, right? But I said, hey, I was just kind of talking to the noise, talking to the evil, talking to what was messing with me. I said, hey, I know I don't have a lot to offer in this situation, but I need you to be very aware that I am under the authority and the power of Jesus of Nazareth. I'm just speaking Jesus of Nazareth into my Tacoma. I don't know who you are, but I'm feeling a lot better already because he is going to every time rebuke that voice and say, um, no, I do not want you leaving here thinking about demons and being worried about it. I want you leaving here confident. I want you walking with peace 
I want you encouraged because we're the ones who know the one who evil knows is the son of God. And so after Jesus rebukes the evil, he silences it. Jesus does not quiet evil, he shuts it up. Every time Jesus has the power to take this thing which is loud and then it's, he silences it. He, he has the ability because of his authority and power as the son of God given to him by God all throughout uh, Luke in these passages, it's saying that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit after his baptism. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit sent him up to Capernaum. What that is saying is the spirit that is on Jesus is, has full authority over any unclean spirit that you might encounter. So he silences it and then he casts it out. Jesus is saying, I'm not even going to let evil be around you. I'm going to move it out of the atmosphere. I'm going to send it scurrying away. It's all right here in this verse, all of it. It says, but Jesus rebuked, he said, um, no, saying, be silent, silence is the evil, and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. It's a beautiful picture of how Jesus will, will, how Jesus will deal with evil in our lives. There are going to be things that are loud in your ears. There are going to be things that are provoking, but Jesus will say no to them. He'll silence them and he'll cast them out. And then look at the end result there for us, guys. Having done him no harm. When Jesus, the truth, stands in the presence of lies, because that's all that evil is doing. That's all evil is doing is sharing the lies. When Jesus' truth is in the presence of those lies, the evil is gone, and here's the deal. When it's, when it's gone, it's gone, having done him no harm. I'm not saying it's not gonna show up again, but it's Jesus has the power to get it out of the way. The first miracle in the book of Luke, I asked you to look for miracles as signs as we go through Luke. The first miracle in the book of Luke is Jesus casting out of evil of this man. The second miracle in Luke is Jesus rebuking a fever in a lady. The physical and the spiritual, Jesus has dominion over both. It's mysterious, I don't completely understand it. And after that moment, after those first two miracles in Luke, all heaven breaks loose in Capernaum. People are just bringing their kids to Jesus. Because just like us, their kids have stuff that's going on. They're sick or they're, uh, you know, they're being bothered by all kinds of things. They don't exactly know. Is this physical? Is this mental? Is this spiritual? Like us, they're just like, we have some stuff going on. And so what they do is they get their people, their mother-in-laws, their, their children, their neighbors. You're, we're about to open up this thing in Luke where people are going to start like cutting roofs off houses to try to get them in the presence of Jesus. Why? Because he has the authority and the power and it has been shown in this moment that he actually is the son of God. Luke is not just telling a miracle story. He wants us to hear cool things that happened around Galilee. He wants us to know that Jesus is the actual holy one of God that was sent to save. And so when Jesus was in the synagogue right before this demon thing, the synagogue in Nazareth, he says, I've actually come to set people free from captivity. Well, there's only one person who can do that. That's the son of God. And then the very next story, he's casting out evil from people and the evil is hollering out, hey, this is the son of God. And Jesus is like, hey, shut up for a minute. I'm not ready to tell all of them that yet. Because Jesus' purpose is not just 
to do these really cool things that help us in this present moment. He had this bigger, bigger vision and dream. And that is to bring the full salvation of people through the forgiveness of sins on the cross. But we're not there yet. So pause and think for just a moment what it was like in Capernaum to know there was somebody in their town who could heal them. They heard about it from their neighbor. What would it be like? Would it, would it be like uh, all the parking spaces get filled up? Would it be like, we don't completely have this figured out, but we know we got to get there. And so since that moment in Capernaum, all throughout history, people like us have been saying, I just need to get myself in the presence of Jesus because his name and his word has power that no other name, nothing else that can happen can get me what that gets me. And so I want to close today. Uh, I had to, uh, originally I was thinking about telling a, a story, but uh, I want to do something a little different. And I'm so thankful we have so many young people in the room right now and 50 or so over there starting this. I want us to, um, I just want to say something to you that's sort of a pastoral thing. And that is this. I really believe that the most important thing we can do with our young people right now our children, our grandchildren, those of you who are teachers and educators, I really think the most important thing we can do is have them in places where they are under the name and the word and the power of Jesus. And I get it. You know, growing up, I was going to see Miss Atwood. Like, right, I get it. Like kids are not always, you may think, man, they're not really listening. They're not paying attention. They don't want to go to church. That's fine. It's not saying they're not going to be kids. It's just saying get them in the place, parents and grandparents, get them there over and over where they can be. You understand what I'm saying? That there's something working in the spiritual realm that's more than them just saying, hey, I like going to church, right? That there's something connected to the authority and power of Jesus that can actually break through um, evil, and I don't want to get all spooky right now, but I just want to tell you that things are really loud in the ears of our kids right now. Things are really loud in, in the ears of young people. I get that, right? There's all kinds of noise that's going on. It's confusing. It's like, what do, and, and I can't, you know, I can't diagram all that out. I'm just saying in the spiritual realm, we know that there's authority and power in the name of Jesus. I'm raising three girls right now in all this too. And I, you know, we go this way, that way, and the other. I'm just saying, get your kids in the place where they'll hear about Jesus. I'm just saying, it's really important what we're doing here. Get them here. That's why I'm so proud of 50 families who are saying for the next however many weeks, we're gonna get our kids there. Because at this season, when they're all playing ball and they're all doing plays and all those stuff that we, that we love, I'm gonna make it a priority to get them there. I'm just telling you, I know this in my heart, just as a dad, that we don't wanna get our kids to 20 or 25 and think, man, I never, I never got them under the name of Jesus. Because that's where the authority and the power is. And so I just wanna pray a simple prayer. And then while we have communion, there may be some of you that wanna kneel and pray uh, for, for your kids or for, for your life, just to pray that name over them. This is real practical. I'm just saying, pray at the dinner table. Go check in with them before bed and say, hey, how's it going? What you thinking about? You know, what's going on up there? And just keeping before them in your home. I don't know, do weird, if this stuff is weird, do weird stuff. Walk around your home and just say the name of Jesus. Go in there when your kids are asleep. Just put your hands over the room and just say in the name of Jesus. You don't have to have all the, all the words for it. You can just know that in him is authority and power and that anything that's, that's messing with them has to go away, has to go away.